let's hope leave you to the hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand to create a better life for all of us. The following program is produced by movie star Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. True Crime Uncensored, I am the legendary Burl Bear. Sitting over there. Howard sitting yes. over there. Over there. The man right there. Look, look to your immediate uh, whatever. If, if, if you're looking at your computer, I'm to the left. That's right. When very few people are to the left of Burl Bear. <laughs> yeah, you're a freaking communist. That's for me. You seriously are. Uh, be, be socialist. Have a Pepsi. It's, <laughs> oh, you're cutting out again. That's your stomach that, that does that. Your stomach, no, my stomach is getting... Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, is here. My stomach is getting smaller. Yeah, yeah but the mic cord is getting abused. Yeah, I know. I know. You probably have heard of Jody Arias tonight on the Lifetime Network. They are running a, a TV movie called Jody Arias' Dirty Little Secret. They're not only running that. If you go over to our friends at Lifetime today, yeah. they're running the Casey Anthony movie, I think. Uh, <laughs> later this afternoon. They're running the Mary Jo Buttafuco story, too. And the, uh, she called in. She wants her act back. <laughs> she does. Yeah, she does. All right. On September 24, 2008, Inside Edition interviewed Arias at the uh, county jail. She said, no jury's going to convict me. She was wrong. Huffington Post said that it instantly commanded headlines around the world. Associated Press accurately pegged it this way. It grew into a worldwide sensation as thousands followed the trial via live, unedited web feed. They added that the trial garnered daily coverage from cable news networks yes. and spawned a virtual cottage industry for talk shows. Oh, it was better than a cottage industry. The entire case devolved into a circus-like spectacle, attracting dozens of Enthusiasts every day to the courthouse, Toronto Star said, with this mix of jealousy, religion, murder, and yes, sex from all directions, the Jody Arias case shows what happens when the justice system becomes entertainment. Okay, but you know what? I think more people learned about the makings of the justice system. Are, are oh, but they didn't care about that. We got Camille Kimball on the phone. Camille, crime hottie. Hey, Camille. Camille, you hey are, there. It's good to have you back. You, uh, you've been in the courtroom there for most of this thing. You've seen the entire media circus. And as you probably know, that uh, uh, HLN Network, you've heard of that. Oh, st- here, here's the thing. Yeah. I, I have to make full disclosure that I, I, I'm involved with the HLN Network. Okay. Hold on. I just, I just noticed something. We have a major problem. What's that? No feedback. <laughs> <laughs> First time in months. Okay, but, so, uh, so you're, you're so, getting rich. So, out of this, so huh? not, I didn't say I was getting rich. I'm not at all. Nothing's changed other than, you know what? Uh, there is a platform so America can see how this stuff works. That's not the reason it's on there. Okay, what's the reason? Money. Well, what's the reason you're, you're here? <laughs> not money. Not money. <laughs> <laughs> but, if, but let me tell you something, Burl. If somebody started paying you to be here, I'd be here twice as much. That's exactly right, Camille. Much to match chagrin. Camille, you know it's it's sure everybody's covering it because it's it's a job. And here's our deal in show business: if the audience wants it, you give it to them. There's the, there's That's absolutely the truth. Yeah. So, uh, if, if nobody's watching, they're going to show. I'm certainly, I'm uh, certainly, you know, and I'm not going to speak for for my uh, friends and colleagues at HLN, but I, I certainly am not at all ashamed about presenting, uh, you know, the fact that uh, my, my client and and, uh, and friend um, has made a great show out of uh, this show. But at the end of the day, you're going to pick something up. You learn something. You know more about the justice system than you knew about the day before. 
Well, you're going to know more about how America deals with uh, justice or, or law as entertainment. What's your, what was it like being there, Camille? Well, also, I just want to comment on that, that there's also uh, nothing shameful about being fascinated with the ultimate question of, of life and death. Uh, this fascination uh, is in the human heart mm-hmm. since uh, thousands of years back. We want to know how this happened, and every generation needs to figure out how it happened. So there's nothing wrong with this. You couldn't be more right, Camille. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you've, you've taken this right to where the heartbeat is uh, to this thing, and, and so and why. And it, by the way, so let it be the shiny quarter. That, that people learn from. Let it be. Sure, they're coming to it for the sex. Okay, Camille, what was it like being there? Well, on many days, especially the uh, ultimate days with the uh, closing arguments and the um, verdict and so forth, it was really, really crowded. And uh, crowding around the front of the doors to get in, uh, they would let the, the principals in first, like the lawyers and so forth, and then the family, and then the media would be allowed in. And then the last people to be allowed in were the um, public. But the largest group by far was the media. And for the last couple of days of the trial, uh, we would, uh, I called it the, um, uh, what's that, uh, Lord of the Flies, you know, Lord of the Flies, where the uh, uh, reporters were crowding around that front door, making sure that they were at the front and could get a seat. So it was a very, very tense situation, a very oddball situation, um, and uh, watching everybody watching Jody's every little move in court, it was very odd. And I know that Jody felt all of our eyes on her, and but she probably liked. Yes, absolutely. I think she fed off of it. Yes, absolutely. Now, do you That's think that all this media covers that people wind up playing to the media rather than playing to the jury? Who are you talking about? The uh, anybody, anybody, whether it's a defense attorney's prosecuting attorney or the person on trial or the witness, well, yeah. the witnesses. I'll tell you in a certain way. I think the judge did because I'll tell you what. I have never been in, a, in an American courtroom where so much of it took place behind closed doors. I was really shocked and not a little annoyed. Um, and the only reason she was doing that was because everybody wanted to see what was going on. You could have walked into any other courtroom in that courthouse, and there are several floors there, and you would have seen the same sidebars and the same or the same arguments in front of uh, lawyers. Uh, where the bench, yeah. Were, you know, maybe, yeah, one or two people might have been in the audience and there would have been no secrecy about it. No, but so, I believe that the judge kept everything behind closed doors because there was so much interest. Let's let's break some things down, uh, Camille. Good judge or bad judge? Oh, boy, that's hard for me to say. You know, I have to keep going back to that courthouse. Um, I, I don't think she was a bit... I don't think she was a bad judge. I, I, I can say openly that I think that uh, I would like to know the reason for having so much behind closed doors. So, so I, anyways, I Camille, Camille, you just got scared on me. You can't do that. You're a journalist. You, 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 <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell me that you're going to protect the judge so you can get I'm not that's... protecting the judge. I'm protecting me. I don't mind saying that. <laughs> wow. How about She's the, honest. How about... How about uh, uh, one uh, Uribe over there, <laughs> and the uh, defense attorney, uh, uh, prosecutor. Juan. You mean Juan Martinez? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's I, I, I make fun of him. I make fun of him. A friend of mine called uh, me this week. She says, "You know, I got something to confess." I said, "What do you have to confess?" She says, "Well, twenty years ago, I, I was dating Juan Martinez." So, well, so now I, I, now I, I know more about him than you do. <laughs> Juan Martinez. Uh, 
people, he's a very polarizing figure. People either love him or hate him. And uh, I tell you, a lot of people love him because they come to my blog with all kinds of search terms that involve uh, Juan and wanting to know about his personal life, if he's married, uh, what his hobbies are, what his birthday is, what his... Um, Sexual proclivities uh, are... That one's easy. It's just how big it is. The Zodiac sign is and all that. Uh Um, But but it is very uh, uh, marked that in court, he is always completely down to the nth degree prepared. He always knows exactly what he wants to ask, where he wants to lead somebody. There's no shuffling of papers. There's no um, stalling for time to figure out what to do next. What did and he, that what, really is indisputable. What did he miss that caused the uh, the jury to go home? What did he what? What did he miss? Why did they and when did they not uh, give her death or something else? Um, I don't think that that is something that can be laid at the at the at the foot of a prosecutor or of a defense attorney. I think it has to do with jury selection, and that's honestly, it's you know, it's become a science, sort of. No, it's it really is sort of. It's the wheel of, uh, well, no, it is sort of because sort of? they, they, yeah, they do the best they can, but it's still a spin of the wheel of fortune. I was on a trial for a former Arizona governor. Uh, uh, he was actually still governor at the time, and nobody had more money to go through uh, jury consultants than he did. And they did the best they could. And uh, ultimately, there was one freaking flat-out, I'm sorry, crazy juror. She had some sort of early Alzheimer's that no one picked up on. And her behavior became manifest later uh, during deliberations and after the trial. But no one could no one could foresee that. There was just, without getting, in, you know, physically getting inside her brain like a little... What do you call those guys who did not a, not an astronaut, but the off? Uh, yeah, I remember that movie. Was a <laughs> Raquel movie. Yeah. Welch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Without doing that, there was no way to there was no other way to predict that. <laughs> Can we, a fantastic this, voyage. Fantastic voice. Thank you, Mark Cesar Boyer, our fact go. checker, knows everything. Donald Pleasance. There you go. <laughs> That's right, Donald Pleasance. It was very pleasant seeing Raquel Wells. Well, Camille, Camille, a few weeks ago, and Burl actually wasn't here, we had our guest was uh, uh, Alison Treasel, who was former president of the uh, LA. Um, the defense of the bar, bar Association defense attorney. She's really something else. I asked her the question, what's the first thing she looks for in jury selection? You know what her answer was? What? What? Smokers. Really? And what was her rationale for that? Because they're alienated people. Just the whole, you know, uh, willing to take a stand, willing to stand up for what they, what they do. Uh, willing to, to risk, risk risk themselves against really terrible odds, and and thus apply that to uh, her client. Interesting, interesting as hell. But then this that, that is interesting, and I wonder how often it really works for her. Um, she's pretty damn it sounds, good. It sounds like it sounds like a good theory. It sounds like a good theory. Yeah. But again, without that fantastic voyage perspective, you really don't know what that person's thinking. Now during the. Uh, in America, we're supposed to have the presumption of innocence, and it gets me that during the trial, also some people are uh, uh, making public statements about her guilt. 
uh, Donald Trump tweeted that, oh, I, she's guilty as it gets. And uh, Arizona Governor Jan Brewer told reporters after uh, an unrelated press event that she believed there is to be guilty. She sidestepped a question about whether she believed the one-time waitress guilty of manslaughter, second-degree murder, or first-degree murder, but said, I don't have all the information, but I think she's guilty. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be setting a standard. <laughs> Well, and that that really is interesting of her to do because if she is the person who would ultimately, at this point, have some power actually over Jody's case if Jody's uh, clemency review came before her. And so that's one thing. And also, Governor Brewer herself has, has an incarcerated son, so you'd think she'd have a different perspective. So um, it, that is interesting. But, you know, the rest of us who do not have any kind of direct contact with the case uh, Jody's presumption of innocence really is not um, the same thing or does not overlap with our right of free speech. Right. But it, it, it does bother me when you have, and this is the reason we didn't discuss the Jody Arias trial while the trial was going on, is uh, I have this personal thing against trial by talk show and indictment by soundbite. Oh, stop it already. I do. Uh, how, about, how, about, how about profiteering from serial killers? Uh, what about that one? Well, newspapers do it. Yes, TV so. stations do it. Okay. They, so, so why are you on the other side of this issue? You sit there with 12 books out there, you know, scraping as much money as you possibly can by reporting on these, on these crimes. Yeah, I spend a year doing in-depth reporting, yeah, and, uh, and that's nice. That's yeah. good. Well, it's not a quick and dirty. And you should be talking about it, and you should be proud of it. I am proud of and, it. And so but why not talk about the Arias case while the Arias case is going on? Because it's still going on. I don't write a book until the thing is over with. What are you, crazy? Yeah, I mean, come on, you're duplicitous, Merle. I, I do not think that it is appropriate to... Uh, you, are you appropriate? You're a communist. Come on. <laughs> communist. I, it makes it difficult when you have this high-profile stuff and it becomes entertainment. I don't know how they find a jury that isn't already tainted. Our, our job well, have to ask is to make Mark Boyer to be the juror because he gets in the car and he says, who's Jody Arias? No <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Alice and Treasel. Break it up again. Move the stomach. There you Al, go. Uh, my nothing to do with Alice and Treasel, okay, said, she looked at Mark Boyer and said, that's who I want on my witness. <laughs> she <laughs> really invited him on the jury. She wanted him on the jury. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you get, okay, I'll ask Camille Kimball because she's a crime hottie and mystery babe. Oh, and are you starting with that now? <laughs> well, I want to know what she's wearing, first of all. I, yeah, you went here, you now you're gonna. Now you're gonna. You, you, you're, you know. You get all. You know, a guy that gets all the way you get about uh, trial by talk show. A person who has a talk show, a person that's been in the media and who's written books, and then you try and undress our guests. <laughs> I don't try to undress them. I just want to know what they're wearing. No, I know where you're going. <laughs> by the way, Camille. Well, I'll tell you what I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go go ahead. Cool. I already told the whole world. I was getting in the rodeo arena with Outlaw Radio, so I've got on my chaps and boots. Baby. Oh, chaps and boots. Is that it? Yeah. No, nothing else. Not a party till someone's chafed. <laughs> Are you sure? Seriously, that's all you're wearing? <laughs> well, that's all a, I'm willing to talk about. Yeah, she's got a stenographer's pad, though, and that covers just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Now I'm walking. <laughs> wow. So, what, for you, Camille, as a true crime journalist and a reporter and a professional, in being at this trial, what to you stands out as the most memorable moment? Oh gosh, I knew you were going to ask me something like that. 
um, most memorable moment. Well, I think it, it just happened yesterday, I would say, or not yesterday, uh, whatever day was the hearing. It was such a big day for me um, between Dale Hausner's death and, and this case. What was it, Thursday that that happened, the hearing? Um, Jody came in in shackles and uh, handcuffed and in stripes and surrounded by people, uh, security people, heavy, beefy security people. And in Maricopa County, you an inmate in her position has a uh, very heavy leather belt around her waist, and this is uh, to control her. And that's there was that's a guard. starting to become a turn-on for me. I don't care what you're, what you're wearing. Uh, well, there's a guard there with her hand on the on the back of the belt, sort of steering her like like a dog on a leash, and um, you know that's that, that crazy. was that was a real a real big moment. I know for uh, people who had been so perturbed by her arrogant so, uh, ways in court, so you... and also, I'm sorry, and also. During uh, the rest of the trial, she, and I have blogged about this, she had um, uh, rather cold interactions with her mother. Now, she's not allowed to have actual interactions with her mother during um, the courthouse proceedings. There's a rule against that. But, you know, there's such a thing as sharing a glance and so forth. And um, what I saw on Thursday for the first time was her craning her neck around with a big smile on her face and looking for her mother. And her mother had her back of, the back of her head to me, so I didn't see what her mother did. But, she, but Jody reacted to it with a big, natural, happy smile. That's an interaction that we have never seen before. What are the book could they be so happy about? I don't know. Um, you know, again, everything happened behind closed doors that day. They were in chambers for a good hour or more, and when they came out, all they said was one sentence. I'm not, she, the judge said, uh, due to what I just learned in chambers, and I'm not going to tell the rest of you, kind of rubbing it in. I mean, she didn't say she's not going to tell us, but that's how I took it. Um, uh, I am not going to make a decision on this until July 18th. That was the entire sentence that the rest of us got to hear. So Jody knew what was in there in chambers because Jody was in chambers. So she must have been trying to communicate to her mother that it went well in chambers or something. I don't know. What's, What's the relationship she, between her and her mother? The backstory. Well, it's been, uh, the backstory is that, that she's had a bad relationship with her mother uh, starting uh, when she was a kid and uh, did not treat her very well, you know, during her incarceration. In fact, during Jody's elocution statement, which is the moment where she faces the jury for the first time straight on, and without cross-examination, tells them what's on her mind, begs them to save her life. During her elocution statement, she flat out said, I, I haven't always treated my mother well. So uh, we all know that to be true. And uh, the moment that I personally saw in court on Thursday was a departure, where she was genuinely giving a warm, happy smile to her mother. What is this business about her having a girlfriend in jail? Is there anything to that? Um... I'd be surprised if she didn't have one. Um, uh, I think there's, it's well known that there's at least uh, one person associated in that role for her. But this is, um, in Jody's defense, is uh, really quite typical. Someone who's in jail for a long time, I think the girls who are in with a short term, short turnaround, just a few months or so, it probably doesn't happen. But if you're in for the long haul, jail is a terrible, terrible, lonely 
frightening, smelly, stinky place. And you need allies, you need comfort, you need some humanity to hang on to. So she is not alone in this. But isn't she, like, incarcerated 23 hours a day by herself? I mean, how does she... Does she uh, inter- how does she find this uh, this pleasure? Those two hours. Yeah, well, one hour. <laughs> one hour. One hour. Fifty-five minutes. <laughs> really well, you know, they're very ingenious. They devise ways of communicating with each other. Jody herself was already caught in the middle of the trial trying to um, communicate with someone on the outside, and she was going through another inmate to do that. They passed messages to each other, coded messages, um, sometimes guards can be enlisted to help. Uh, sometimes guards just are simply sympathetic and will pass along. Speaking of sympathetic, look the other way. I posted on your page on Facebook uh, the link to Jody Arias's Innocent dot com. Oh, that's fun. Her fan club. Yeah, that's a crowd. Three people. <laughs> yeah, that's a crowd. By the way, thank you for friending me. <laughs> uh, Someone said to me today, in fact, it was the brilliant, talented uh, Barbara Cream, said, all those people on the Jody Arias is innocent fan site, someone should, like, you know, round them up and, like, give them brain scans. How about, how about we just send them all, we send them all to, like, Iowa. <laughs> we, we just take Iowa and clear the good people out and we'll just, you know, let's, let's park, uh, there's a bunch of different kinds of people. Uh, Put them be, all there. Be extra- all extraordinarily racist here, but, uh, I guess. Because I'm anti uh, really bad people. So let's put this on a race of bad uh, people. Yeah, that's a race of bad people. You know, I don't care if they're red, blue, black, green, or, or, or chinks. I don't care. <laughs> oh, did I say something? Yes. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Camille. Bad ones are chunks. Yeah. Mm. I have. Uh, Wait, was there a question in there that I was going to respond to? Or, uh, How do you think? Did you interact with any of her fan club? Have I interacted with her fan club? Well, uh. No, I wouldn't say I have. I mean, sometimes they tweet to you or they comment on my blog. Uh, they tend to, I don't know, I haven't attracted that many of them. Um, and in, uh, in, on the fifth floor, up on the fifth floor where her trial takes place, there's so much to do that, um, you know, I haven't interacted with any of them personally but, but that I know of. Have you been controlled? I'm totally aware of them, and then once yeah. in a while I am the target. I don't think anyone is reporting uh, can avoid that, but uh, I been, think have, a major interaction, no. Have you been compelled to answer? And stop, to stop, answer your, well, stop yourself? I, have, I mean, you have, have to stop yourself. I have one Twitter fan in particular who has followed me for a couple of trials, and she's always taken the part of the defendant. And I have had quite a few interactions with her, and I always tell her, you don't have to agree with me. And I, you know, I understand your perspective is different, and that's fine. You know, I don't, I don't object to people uh, seeing the evidence differently and being respectful and all of that. Um, but when people are rabid and they are uh, mean and they are uh, articulating a position that has nothing to do with reality or fact and has everything to do with sort of high school name calling. I don't have any use for that. What is there, seriously, it, because it exists, what is their problem? What's their problem? She's no, not seriously. a psychologist. I mean, uh, no, no, she doesn't have to be a psychologist. She does, she, she's the recipient of this stuff. You know, it's, it's, and I've, I've seen this kind of stuff. It's really awful stuff. And it, you know, and I'm not anti-Twitter, anti-Facebook, or anti-Instagram, or any of that stuff, but, you know, it's, it's causing people... And there's a certain segment of the population to um, unearth themselves, so to speak. Yeah, reveal, reveal themselves as the psychotics they are. Yeah, absolutely. 
because uh, I get a lot of that on my page. Well, I can understand that. The, the, <laughs> but you know, it's just it's neat to talk to somebody else that you know experiences it, and and, and the, I know you're compelled to answer, and you have to stop yourself from pressing send. Because well, I you know I, I yeah I do I um I don't want to engage. I mean, it's, it's scary enough putting yourself out there. Um, where a lot, you know, large numbers of people know who you are and want to interact with you and everything. So I, I don't want to sort of feed the, feed the beast of the ones who are scary to me, and I, I don't want to give them something to hang on to. And if you're asking me what is wrong with them, why do they associate with her cause? What you is know, her I cause? Guess I, well, her <laughs> cause, her cause is that she's innocent and she's picked on. Yeah, and, someone else did it. And she will prevail. And she's going, to make a lot of, she's going to be very, very wealthy and a big star. That's her whole thing. How is she going to be wealthy and a star in prison? Well, you know, but she's not going to be. But if she gets out of prison and she had every expectation that she was going to, bro, believe it or not, she believes she's going to be found not guilty. Look, she still, she still thinks that, and that's the little thing she can't think. You know, she's entitled to a But she is really, she's captivated not only the losers, she's captivated... Like a lot of people. I, I mean, look, a quick, quick story. Uh, that uh, The way Dr. Drew was given two courtside seats to the Laker game late in the season while the trial was really cooking. And there were six seconds left, and the Lakers were down by one. Timeout. Drew sitting courtside. Kobe sees him. And Kobe Bryant walks across, doing a timeout with six seconds left, walks across the court, goes up to him and says, Hey, Doc. We got to talk about this Jody Arias case. Unbelievable! <laughs> and then, and then Kobe, Are you making that up? I can't make it up. They, it's, there's, there's, there's YouTube video on it somewhere, or there's video on it. Then he walks back to the huddle. They break. The timeout's over. There's six seconds left. Ball goes to Kobe's hand, and he drains it, and they win the game. He's an assassin. You know, yeah. <laughs> during the timeout, all he cared about was the uh, Drew wants to talk to him about Jody Arias. <laughs> and then that Monday. He calls him up. They talk for half for uh, the half hour, forty five minutes. About, about Jody I had Ares. no idea. Yeah, but he walked across the court. and said, "We got to talk about this Jody Ares thing." Not even thinking about the game, walks back into the game and drains uh, drains a, 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 a basket, and they win. He, he goes home. It's just another day at the office. <laughs> I'd like to get. Well, your, it just, uh, does, does go to my earlier point that. Um, I'm not going to say that it's because of the sex or the this or the that. I would say there's a lot of elements there that are interesting, but but ultimately it's that actual life or death question that galvanizes people. Mark Boyer has a question for you. Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Um, I was just looking when I get your opinion. Um, putting aside uh, murders that are involved that revolve around traditional crime. Um, there's, this isn't the only whack job murder, you know, in the last year. What is it about this specific case versus any other nut job killing some other, some person? Let's clear this up. This, this happened five years ago. The case is this year. Right. But I'm just wondering why, why is, is, it, is it arbitrary as to which one hits the public's eye? No, I don't think it's arbitrary. I think as a news person, you can kind of uh, see one coming. And sometimes uh, you think one deserves more attention and it doesn't get it. But, uh, you know, a good good percentage of the time as a news person, you, you have uh, a good idea of something that is going to attract a lot of attention. Um, some of them have common elements, and I think that 
One one common element is it is when it's a crime that involves people who are um, to the surface are living generally normal lives, lives that people can relate to, people who have jobs that they can relate to, people who live in neighborhoods they can relate to. Um, and then I think uh, the other element is when it's a, um, a situation that people can relate to. It is... Uh, uh, in, in the Scott and Lacey Peterson case, it was a pregnancy. I mean, how many people have had children and they know what it's like to be in that eight month of, eighth month of pregnancy and they, they, they are immediately, their hearts are engaged. Um, in this case, uh, pretty much every adult, you know, uh, minus a, a few stragglers has had sex in their lives with somebody. And to, to I'm trying to do that as <laughs> quite often as possible when I was younger, actually. <laughs> well, and yesterday. And many people would uh, uh, consider themselves in the same category. And to find yourself dead in the shower moments later, um, but how, who doesn't sit up and go, what? Hey, hey, Camille, the sex part of this thing was huge. And uh, but the, what I was finding is that most people looked at what she did sexually, which was pretty explicit. It, it, people would go, yeah, what's wrong with that? Behind closed doors, I'm, I'm not far behind. I think the sex was up again. It, I think it, she plotted the whole thing from, from the very beginning. You think? Well, uh, I, uh, I, 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 hey, I, I think there was another comment in there that I couldn't hear. Yeah, so right, I if the microphone response. isn't on, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, quickly... Uh, What's the next big case coming that has all these images? Well, I'll tell you, Camille. Well, I think uh, it just started. George Zimmerman. No, it doesn't have the elements. And it's too polarizing. Uh, it has, it has, well, it it's has, too polarizing. Yeah, it does have elements. Oh, teenage kid, a lot of people either were a teenager or have their own teenage kid. Um, the guy in the neighborhood who, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you find beating around everybody's bushes and no you're sex. a little wondering what he's no going to do. Now, Jody, we had one here that um, several of us thought was going to be a big one, and it just whoosh, nothing. That's and that's the Dragon Lady case. Nice all-American family, husband and wife, uh, three kids. She kills the kids and then stabs her husband 95 times with a samurai sword. Only 95 times? Yeah, well, she, she was more tired after a while. The bitch couldn't hit a hundred. <laughs> no, couldn't hit a hundred. She was going well, for Well, you know what? I'll tell you why that one may not have gotten quite as much attention. I, I can tell you how it strikes me just as soon as you tell me. Um, it, it, it sounds like, uh, to put a very coarse point on it, a little bit of a garden variety uh, a craze of cr crazy, mm -hmm. you know, some sort of crazy thing. In the Jody case... Um, there's a clear trail of cold-hearted calculatedness, mm -hmm. um, and the I think that is what gives people to shiver. The fact that it's a woman, I mean, we come right off of Casey Anthony, a woman, we go into Jody Arias, a woman, and, and then Jody Arias with the explicit sex. Uh, again, nothing crazy, but still explicit. Well, he's crazy to me. I mean, how many normal people, uh, you know, stab someone? That many Forget the stabbing time. part. That's uh, we know she's out of her mind, bro. That, uh, but, but we're talking about the elements that brought that brought well, us audience. hot sex. We're, that's right. Well, I well, and I'm talking about the elements of her planning it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so that's the difference between men and women. Seriously, we'll sit here and just go, you know, just show us your parts. Uh, <laughs> women go. We have to go to the calculation of the whole thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, yes, I, that, I do think know. you have to go to the calculation. That's yeah. what attracts the women audience, I can tell you. Uh, well, I know. 
I know, but men, yeah, women, men sit there and just go, you know, show me. a moment of rage. Show me. Show you know, me show how are you going to talk about a moment of rage? I mean, it's so, uh, it's, it's hard to claim, it's like with the, the Rhonda Glover, it's hard to claim self-defense if you shoot someone 13 times or stab them 95 times. Mm-hmm. And chop them up in little pieces or something like that, or move the body. That's that's. Bro, you're going way past what happened. What's going on in your head? I'm getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> what about the camera on the washing machine? What's that? Yeah, see, that's that's another. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, yeah, you can have, you, for our audience that doesn't know, the the, Howard doesn't know about that. Will you explain the camera on the washing no, machine? They're, they're no, they're our guest, Mark. <laughs> yeah, tell us, uh, come on. Uh, you want me to explain the camera in the washer? Yeah, I don't know anything. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so uh, uh, when police arrived at the crime scene, the body had been found. They're poking around. They find the laundry in the laundry room. And what do you know? Here's a camera that comes rolling out of the, the, the bedding as they shake out the bedding that they've taken out of the uh, laundry machines. And uh, the camera's all, you know, beat up and wet because it's been through the cycle. But they take it back to the crime lab, and the crime lab guys... Um, to take out the memory card and they monkey around with it and lo and behold they can recover all the photos on there oh, and they see um, photo after photo after photo after photo of Jody Arias uh, naked in sexual uh, positions and um, mm. settings and a couple of Travis and then, a, uh, and then a several of Travis in the shower and then uh, one of Travis's body being dragged by Jody, so let me and get this also straight. one of the camera obviously being dropped during the commission of the crime. She, and taking a picture she, was she feeling. was she taking the pictures? Yeah, she was, um, she was taking the pictures of herself naked the whole nine yards, or he was. You know, I think that people right. will be arguing that question uh, for you know years to come. Um, the implication is that Travis took the pictures of her. But there were many people who believed that she had it on a timer in some way. Did Travis have, um, a, did Travis have a secret life? The tra- uh, there's no question Travis had a secret life. Yeah, there's no question. He did. But I think that's something that people can forgive. Well, yeah, what was his secret life? Stupid or? Yeah, his, yeah, <laughs> that's his that's secret life, of a secret was, life was having sexual relations with Jody. By the way, well, that, that was you uh, driving a car. <laughs> what? So what kind of a secret life? I mean, that's not much of a secret life, the fact that he had sex with a girl. And that's not well, and I, I, well, that's what I think what it comes down to. Uh, because of his religious beliefs, uh, Jody herself seemed to think that the world would come down on him once they realized that he had failings in his religious beliefs. Oh, my God. And, um, well, I think she miscalculated. I think she miscalculated. Yeah, she sure did. She also miscalculated about the camera of randomly taking uh, photos and she drags the body across the floor. We're going to take a 60-second break so Camille can uh, freshen up her chaps in her cowboy hat. <laughs> and we'll be right back on Two Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio. Follow that you follow now follows you. Your cell phone or Apple. 
mobile device is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends on Outlaw Radio. You know the deeds of decadence. Change the way you listen to radio seven days a week. Now available free at RadioLoyalty.com. Just punch in Outlaw Radio. Hi, I'm the legendary Burl Bear. Chances are you're sitting around saying to yourself, where can I, puny mortal that I am, find a true crime anthology that has, between the covers, both the legendary Burl Bear and crime hottie Camille Kimball, who's our guest today. Well, guess what? You can find us between the covers of Masters of True Crime, 17 true crime authors, all in one book. You've got uh, Catherine Ramsland, who's the forensic hottie, and you've got uh, uh, Kathy Scott, Burl Bear, Camille Kimball, and uh, Balter's other people. <laughs> 17 all together. Masters of True Crime, edited by R. Barry Flowers, who we've had on the show, author of the Sex Slave Murders. When it comes to sex and slaves, Barry knows what he's talking about. So run right out immediately or get on your computer and order Masters of True Crime, featuring Burl and Camille and several others. And while you're at it, buy all her books and buy all my books. Please, and buy them new, not used, because if you buy them used, we don't make a dime. And now back to True Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio. Back to True Crime Uncensored. Yeah. Okay. Starring, featuring with Burl Banner and Howard Lapinus. Don't forget what's his name over here. Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. What about the girl with the huge hooters? And sometimes Maureen McKay Esquire. Yeah, she's got to move your stomach back to the microphone, all right? See? Happens every time. See, it's honest, but just move back, move back. Yeah, that's right. Produced by Magic Mathuality. Who in turn is produced by this long lady blonde who is on. Who in turn is produced by Lori Downey Jr. Who wouldn't want to be? Yeah. We're back now. True Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio. Legendary Burl Bear, Howard Lapidus, Mark C.G. Boyer. On the phone, Camille Kimball. Recognized official USDA certified crime hottie. Can I ask you and Camille as authors a question? Yeah. I just need an opinion. Yeah. Imagine um, two jurors from this case and a, a nationally known defense attorney coming together to do a book about... Okay, you cut out. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm back. But, uh, imagine, imagine that. Like a Mark Yarrow Well, okay, but it's not. But 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 let's let's say that that that's the that's the scenario. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Uh, if, I, would you imagine? I didn't hear it either. I'm sorry. I didn't hear what the scenario. The scenario is quickly. Uh, two jurors and an attorney together doing a book on the case. Yeah, your mic said. Uh, okay. Would sell or no sell? What do you think? So it's two jurors and one of the attorneys? Not one of the attorneys, a famous, uh, a well-known uh, defense attorney on the American uh, uh, media plane. Oh, I think that this case could support a number of retellings uh, in different venues. So, uh, I, you know, I think that to someone like a, a well-known, nationally known attorney like, I don't know, Marsha Clark or something, you know, has their own fans, people might be interested in what she had to say, but I think mostly they want to hear from the people who were Inside. right there in it's, the trial. This is a behind-the-curtain book, in, in my opinion. So just FYI, a major, major agency 
said they didn't want to be anywhere near this case. Is that bizarre? I'm sure there's a quick and dirty out there. I mean, look how fast Fox threw together. Well, we could, not I'm, not worried about, about, guys, I'm not worried about selling it. But I was, I was just, a, I got the rejection from these people who I've done a ton of work with and find out they don't want to touch it. And I'm going, wait a minute, didn't they represent Truman Capote? Well, what does that have to do with it? Well, here, because that case was as salacious as you get, and in cold blood, is one of the great sellers of all time. Yeah, well, there's a big difference there. I mean, Truman Capote's book sold not because of the case, but because of, of him and the style. And that, well, you betcha. But going well, in... Well, he's not the only one who has style, right? That's right. We've that's, got style, don't we, Camille? That's what I heard. That's right. I think we're, I do. We're in masses of true crime, and Truman Capote isn't. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and maybe I'm looking for a writer to put this thing together, but that's another story. <laughs> I know where you can find true crime writers. I know plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Yes, I'm sure you do. You and your 89 days with Paula Abdul. That's a true crime if I ever heard of what, what it was. Yeah. That, but that's not for today's show. No, that's not for today's so Camille, what's the what's the, what's next for poor Jody? Uh, I mean, does she poor Jody? How's <laughs> the matter with you? Is, I mean, is she one of these people that thinks that uh, once she goes off to prison, she'll still be a celebrity? Oh, I'm sure she does. I mean, one thing we know about Jody is that she does not have a realistic view of her place in the world, right? Yeah, and uh, she does have lots of uh, people writing her letters, and, and in a way, she will still be uh, a, a star because there are people that you mentioned earlier. Uh, who are attracted to this kind of uh, personality, and they will continue to write her letters and do her favors. She, she, she reminds me of a person uh, that uh, just came out of an episode, you know, a, a season of Big Brother. You know, you know, they all are in that house on Big Brother thinking they're more famous every day. And they're going right. to get rich, and when they get out, they're going to be superstars, and they're going to be you know, greeted by the throngs because they were on TV for 12 weeks. Right. And uh, guess, uh, guess what happens? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Those of us who have been in the public, I know how um, silly an image like that is. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give you a good parallel example. Please do. Um, murderer Pam Smart in, the New, in New, the New England area, she was so big that Nicole Kidman portrayed her in a movie. And... Uh, how many people, if you walk up onto the street right now and ask them, oh, what about that Pam Smart? How many of them would give you anything but a blank look? That's you right. Know? John, I mean, John Goodman portrayed me in a movie. Do I think I'm a big shot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that, that was Moon Mastin Anonymous, the Bob Dylan movie. Yeah, that was Howard was the model for uh, uh, Mr. Sweetheart, who was the booking agent. Oh, go Google me. Shut up. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Howard went a Razzie, Camille. I have that. I see. Uh, you see? I mean, I'm not you, getting an Oscar, but uh, damn yeah. it, I haven't got a Razzie, so leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> they don't give Razzies to true crime authors. I'm going to win Emmys in about two years. I got a whole. That's another cool. plan. You got that planned out already, huh? When you see it, you'll get it. <laughs> so what did, uh, what did you find fascinating about this particular circus? What did I find outstanding about it? Oh, fascinating. Oh, fascinating about the circus itself. Because people have it's sort of taken on two-headed uh, uh, persona there. And that is one, sometimes people want to know about the uh, media aspect of it, and others want to know about the crime aspect. So i got to ask, which one? Which, which one are you talking about? Well, all right, you you spent a good portion of your of your time professionally sitting in the courtroom. Um, are, is there any aspect of the of this entire 
episode, do you find personally interesting, or is it just another job? Well, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be in this. I don't, I, you know what, I'm not that self-disciplined. If I'm not interested, I, I can't be there. Yeah, welcome to show um, business. I've, I've walked out of trials, and, and also if it's too, too creepy, disgusting, I can't stay in them either, and I've walked out of those. What the hell so, yeah, creeps you out? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Absolutely. What creeps you out and disgusts you? I don't like crimes against children. I can't tolerate that. I won't go to one of those trials, and I won't write one of those books. Good. Um, and, uh, they're, not, they're not easy to write. I had to do one. Why did you have to do one? Because that, that was the contract. Oh, yeah, but you wouldn't burn the contract? You would write no, it? I mean, I, I did write the story because I wanted to elevate her death to the level of sacrifice. I, I, maybe you can find out why am I on your back today? Why are you on my back? <laughs> I don't today? know, but it's fun. Anyway, uh, so, so kids, what else? Um, I also don't like... Um, I, I dropped in on the Trent Benson trial for one day because someone recommended it to me that I respect them at the courthouse, and I and I listened to the testimony that day, and I, I said, I'm not coming back to that one. He had murdered a number of women and then uh, mutilated their bodies in such a way that just curdled my stomach, and I did not want to listen to all the details, and there was a great deal of forensic testimony about whether some of these mutilations were done. Post-mortem or while the woman was still alive, I couldn't take it. I, I wanted to leave. How are the crime scene photos? This is Lynette, by the way. How are you, Camille? That's uh, Lynette. Oh, I'm great. Hi, Lynette. Hi. I came in midway, but I've been listening. I just wanted to know the crime scene photos. I actually looked at online before, and they didn't ever show the ones I saw online on TV, like on headline news. I mean, those uh-huh. were gruesome. You mean HLN? Yeah, on HLN okay. or one of the other shows, but with basically decapitation, I mean, some of the stab wounds to the back and all of that. Did you guys see those in court? Yes, we, we saw those uh, un, unedited in court, and I don't know. I It's fuzzy in my mind which ones have been made public to people so, outside so the courtroom. That, that, I, I don't know. That wasn't too grisly for you? I was pretty, I mean. It is grisly, um, and I have seen some grisly things. My book. But uh, you're right, you're gonna write about, always, are you going to write about Jimmy Harris? Well, we'll just see. I, I'm a woman of mystery when it comes to answering that question. Yeah. <laughs> so the answer is yes. <laughs> no, the answer is just one today. There's going to be a lot of movies, but yeah, the answer is yes. Well, so my, other, my other book, What She Always Wanted, she uh, the woman uh, dismembered her husband and uh, not only dismembered him, but disemboweled him in a very detailed Ouch. way. Ouch. Uh, yeah, I sat through that Ouch. testimony. So somehow I can, I, I don't know. What are they it, it, it thinking at that time? I mean, would you dis, I mean, I've never disemboweled anybody. I've cleaned a few trout, but that's it. I mean, what you're going to take out someone's intestines. Uh, what, what was she thinking at the time? I mean, did she talk about that in the trial? What number did she dis, by the way? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What bowel did she what dis? What member did she oh, dis? Well, she, she, um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. She was very, very detailed and coordinated about it. There was a great deal of testimony about the kidneys, for instance, and the kidneys are tucked up behind, uh, I can tell you this, behind your ribs uh, in a certain way, and you, any normal person who was thinking they were disemboweling somebody would just kind of scoop out um, wholesale. But no, she reached up in there, got her husband's kidneys, uh, knew exactly where to sniff, sniff, knew, knew not to leave him in there. That kind of thing. You know, this kills me. You, you say you <laughs> killed him, too. Of course. You, you, but come here, you talk about grisly stuff. Meanwhile, you are real good at describing grisly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know. It's I have probably to, arbitrary. I, I have to that. hand it to you, and I'm going to try and keep my hand intact. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. I, but I always wonder about that. Uh, you know, when someone's disemboweling or cutting someone up into uh, you know twenty-seven different uh, bite-sized hey, pieces. Pearl, you've written enough of these books to know that those people are not operating on the planet Earth that we operate on. Well, this also raises another question. It's supposed to be against policy to prosecute people who are out of their minds. Yeah. People yeah. who are so who are not out they? of their minds no, don't no. do this. Yes, yeah, they, yeah, you're, you're out of your mind when you do this, and I don't care what test or what what the bar is that they've got to pass. Jody Arias is out of her frickin' mind. Scott, well, Scott, you know that you very well know the bar is did she know it was wrong? And clearly she knew it was wrong. She took steps to cover it up. That's correct. And she took took, took steps to plan it. You know, she she you know, you see the motivation behind it, you see everything. You know, so she, so does that mean that she's sane and, and should she be tried in a court of law with the twelve of her peers? Or is she insane and should she be institutionalized? Well, it depends on what state you're in, the oh, we're in the state of Arizona. And I'm just the question is is she sane or not sane and knowing what she did. Well that should have been her defense, right? So well, it depends yeah. on the state. If they have the McNaughton rule, if you know it's wrong, then you're not insane. Insanity is a legal term not a medical one. Except That's right, and it has not been her defense to answer you in it. Her defense was self-defense, self defense that Travis attacked her. Boy, that was a long, and she emerged miraculously a, without any injury. She went a long way to say that one. She went a long way to say It's hard to sell self-defense when you're, you know, chopping people off. Yeah. Just, uh, at, yeah. at Stab Wound 27, uh, you know, the count's a little too high. And, uh, you know, it was 27, and then let's take his uh, head off. And... While we're doing that, maybe let's start it off by shooting her in the head. You know, she uh, she kind of had the um, you know the buffet of uh, of uh, disembowelment, yeah, the, the Waldorf Astoria, the, the Waldorf salad. She had the top of the menu. She chose the lobster, the steak, and the dick. <laughs> oh dear! Not necessarily in that order. Well, and guess what, kids? That's what happened. The moral of the story is she's in, is she's sane. If they're crazy in bed, they're crazy everywhere else, too. That's not true. And you're leaning, and you're, is that true? That's what my daughter says. Man, I'm screwed. Men need to learn that. If they're crazy in bed, they're crazy everywhere else. I'm kind of my screwed. Uh, strictly for performance, for the, the people that are listening. Strictly, that was strictly for performance. All right, um, I gotta get my ass off. <laughs> you gotta get. You have to listen to me and believe it. That's not a good thing. No. Um, Burl, how do you say, Camille? How do you say that? Okay, yeah, that because of the law in the state of Arizona, it's it's a, it, mental illness is not a medical term; it's a legal term. We're damn well it's a medical term. Well, they don't look at it. it, it the way the way it works is under the McNaughton rule. If you know it's wrong, right, you're not insane. Okay, you could, really, you could be nuts. You could be totally out of your mind. Did Howard really have to say the D word? For I, I didn't. Hang on. Yeah. I didn't. I he did. meant to say erect throbbing member. It, no. God, no. I mean, I did make an, I made a mistake. And and like, uh, uh, what's her name? We'll talk about later. Uh, I, I, I'm going to get back. Yeah, he bought it back. So, Camille, yeah. where were we? About uh, I have no idea. The thing about people being nuts, but they're not insane, depending on the state. In some states, they have different rules. Than, than uh, well, I think that the rule of thumb is, is pretty much the same everywhere now. I mean, there may be nuances in different states, but I think the general rule of thumb is if a person can um, articulate in their own mind that I need to cover up this action because I will get in trouble what, if someone discovers that I've done it, then they pretty much know right from wrong. Right, and she self-admittedly stated that on the, on the stand several times, that she didn't say it because she didn't want to get in trouble. She didn't want to get caught. So right. Her she, words. She, 
Absolutely. She told lies because she didn't want to get in trouble. Right, right. Well, you do get in trouble for killing people and chopping them up. Yes, and, and, and I'm still back on your insane if you do it. Well, yeah. and, uh, that's a shame. But they should have gone for insanity, correct, in the beginning? No, no, no. You can only claim insanity if the person didn't know it was wrong. Now, you have a situation like the, in here in California where they have the same rules, called right. the McNaughton Rule, where this guy had the delusion that there was going to be a giant earthquake in California, and the only way to stop it was that he was supposed to go out in his car, and ten people would psychically communicate with him that they were willing to sacrifice their lives to stop the earthquake. Within 45 minutes, he found 10 people who psychically communicated with him, so he kills them. He's arrested, and he goes, but God told me to kill these people to stop the earthquake, and you notice it worked. I'm do you see, him, do you see an earthquake? I'm going to use uh, the martyr defense. But he knew it was against the law. He knew it was, quote, wrong, but he was responding to a higher call. Sorry. He's, uh, he's locked up in... Uh, he's saying, yeah. using that for an excuse. You, you can't... You can be as nuts as possible. Like Andre Thomas weighed his eyeball in the courtroom and when they found him guilty he ate the other eyeball. And the judge said, yeah, the guy's out of his mind, but he knows right from wrong. Right. Right from that's left, it. That's that's right. Exactly, yeah, that's it right there. I don't agree. Yeah, there's no there's there. I, I, I well, say, but that's the law. No, no, no. I'm with you that that's the law. I just don't agree with the law. That's, that's why there was a change several years ago, and it came up with another uh, another thing. But what, what happened was almost everyone was getting off. And so some states still have the rule that they have in Arizona, California, Washington. There are a few states that have a different rule uh, where it's much easier to say, look, this person has, is nuts. You know, uh, then the question is, what's better for them to spend the rest of their life in a mental institution or the rest of their life in prison? It depends on, on what provides a better environment. I mean, people have the delusion that these people are going to get out in a few years. Hang on a second, guys. Why did she kill her? She was jealous. Well, and, and, and a hospital criminally insane is no club uh, no net either. No, yeah, it's not. But hang on. Why did she kill him? Why did she kill Travis? Yeah. Um, because she could not own him anymore. He was going. I, this is my personal theory. My personal theory is that she wanted to show him that she would win. Uh, we heard a lot uh, in the trial about how he had this uh, position that she really admired. He had achieved much more in his life than she had in hers. And she really looked up to him. And he was the winner. And she was, you know, struggling and all of that. And, um... Thank he you. was not going to give her the diamond ring, and he was going to go to Mexico uh, next week with someone else. Yeah. And I think she was saying, you know what? No, you're not. I can win. I it's, do see, that's what he's If I can't have you, no one can. She's crazy. That's it. That's it. Cuckoo. Nuts. Out of her mind. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Camille. Good talking to you. Camille is great. She's a certified crime hottie mystery babe. Has a great blog, great website, writes wonderful books, and she's hot. So what else can we do? <laughs> really? She's my no, talent. No, I'm, yeah, I'm going to start talking to you on Facebook. Then. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. And we are both in the same book. You know, we will find us between the covers of Masters of True Crime. Much to, how, do, how, how do you get that? You can get that from any bookseller, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, any place. You can go online and get Masters of True Crime featuring uh, Camille and, and me and uh, edited by our Barry Flowers. Magic Man Allen and the Demons of Decadence are next. Thanks to Camille Kimball for being on the show. Thanks, Lynette, for joining us. And Howard and Mark C.G. Boyer. The sun was shining I was laying in bed Wondering if she'd changed it all If her hair was still red Her folks, they said our lives together Sure was gonna be rough 
They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's bank book wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through Tangled up in blue She was married when we first met, soon to be divorced I helped her out of a jam, I guess, but I used a little too much force We drove that car as far as we could, abandoned it out west Split up on the docks at night, both agreeing it was best And she turned around to look at me as I was walking away I heard her say over my shoulder, we'll meet again someday on the avenue Working as a cook for a spell But I never did like it all that much And one day the axe just fell So I drifted down to New Orleans Or lucky with a be employed Working for a while on a fishing boat Right outside of Delacroix But all the while I was alone The past was close behind I seen a lot of women But she never escaped my mind And I just grew Place and I stopped in for a beer I just kept looking at the side of her face And the spotlight so clear and Later on when the crowd thinned out I was just about to do the same She was standing there in the back of my chair I said to me, don't I know your name? I muttered something underneath my breath She studied the lines of my face I must admit, felt a little uneasy When she bent down to tie the laces of my shoes
don't know what they do with their lives. But me, I'm still on the road. 